Good morning. Wow. This is interesting. You know, we do a lot of speeches and we do a lot of talks at the Ciotti Company. And over the last, you know, 18, 24 months here, it's all been in front of a camera as I'm looking at one right over there and one in front of me. So I'm used to that part of it. Um, but this is good. This feels, this feels comfortable again. This feels good to be back in a room where I'm looking at faces and I can see reaction, how fast I have to move through some of these slides that are boring. Um, uh, as some of you just are familiar with the Ciotti company, we know we've been in business for 50 years. We don't just deal in bulk wine and grapes, but we also do a, a myriad of other uh, products in the alcohol beverage industry like concentrates, high-proof spirits, uh, evaluation, storage, processing, so on and so forth. Anything that has to do with the wine industry. Uh, we do have 10 offices around the world. And we like to be a globally based source or a partner in your business and make sure that uh, we keep you with local knowledge, but give you some perspective of what's going on around the world so we can make the best decisions in a timely manner. Uh, as we talk about what's going on in the world today and we make up uh, what's going on prior to the pandemic, we were in that 20, 2019 market area and you could just be about anywhere in the world and you could find it at any given price at any given uh, time you could find whatever flavor of wine you were looking for then we start to move into this random year of shutdowns and uh, troublesome uh, sales periods for a lot of people, especially when it comes to if you're based on an on-premise market. And we start to see a lot of inventories removed, not only from the simple fact of some pantry stocking, as we like to call it, but we also saw some big distillate programs happen over in Europe. And then we also had some problematic times right here in California. And then you know, before we in, got into that 2020 period, we, we were kind of in a longish market. I would call it a, a balanced market today as we look at it as a worldwide situation. But it's, it, it's, a, it's a very tenuous or, or volatile situation, which we'll talk about in some of the later slides. One thing we are witnessing or we're feeling today is a lot of the white wine demand is out there and we're feeling, and especially in the last like 60, 75 days, we've seen a lot of that happening, a lot of, especially around uh, different countries. Uh, and we are pretty static when it comes to planting globally, consumption's pretty static. Uh, and you know, it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see and we're gonna, like I said, we'll explore more of it as we get into some of these uh, more slides. The one time I will mention China in this whole presentation, when we did this a couple years ago, we talked a lot about China. In fact, we, I think we had a whole section about China because we were coming. But it's hard to find information about them. It's hard to find uh, exact information about what's going on there. But know this, they're down 17%. And that's a big market. We are still trying to find out how to capitalize on that market, especially around the world and you know poor Australia which we'll talk about and then as we tip more later on in, in the subject we'll, we'll we got to get into this shipping and logistics and then we're going to talk about some of the consumer behaviors I just I was just talking with some friends back here about a recent golf trip I'm a big golfer 
And it just made me think about this when we were doing it. The sweet spot. Where is the sweet spot in the wine industry and how do we get to that spot? And the sweet spot's not the same for everybody, but it's easy to hit the other ends of it. It's easy to screw it up. It's hard to get to that sweet spot. And as a, as a Ciotti company goes, we want to be there for you, for your business, to make sure we get as close to that sweet spot every single time. When we start to look at some of the things that we're going to discuss in these slides that are coming up here, we're going to break down some of the individual countries. What is the consumer behaviors and demands? You know, we're going to see that there's not a lot of carryover. So you're going to see some of this trending pricing going upward, uh, bulk wine trend going upward in pricing. Uh, this volatile situation where we talk about it's balanced. We feel it's balanced, uh, not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. A lot of stuff has changed in the last, you know, like 60 days. So it's kind of interesting. And then what happens to this post-pandemic when things really start to open up and we start to see more faces out and about? I use this slide, uh, and especially in international presentations, just to give an idea. Not everybody in the room is familiar with where a lot of the wine comes from or what you're looking at, but just the good, the good example. I'm a visual learner, so this makes it come around the world. You know, as we get into talking about Europe and their their woes over the last year with viticultural problems, uh, we'll talk more about that. I always like. Doing this. this has come from the OIV recently, and this is the supply and um, production and consumption over time. But you can see, obviously, consumption has pretty much stayed consistent. A little bit here, a little bit there has, has changed. Um, but as you see, every almost, it's been recent times. If you go back another five years, if you go back, there has been, every five years, it seems to be a blip up, and then we start to, to trickle down. And we get another blip up in five years, and then we start to trickle down in terms of production. Huh. I, if that happens over the next five years, that's a trend. That's a trend we're talking about today. That's marketing. That's where we need to we need to identify some of these situations. When you know one of the offices we have, and this is starting out in this, we're starting in the southern hemisphere, uh, Argentina, uh, which is last year uh, had a decent crop coming in. But the one problem that happens with Argentina is the government, the economy is always a struggle. Um, when we look at some of the pricing over on the right-hand side, you know, when we talk about this, it would be very, you know, it, pricing, shall we say, is uh, is not the same for everything, or it's 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 very advantageous right now, currently in Argentina. You're going to find that in a lot of other countries. But over the last 60 days, I've changed this presentation twice to up those prices. So we're seeing some upward movement in terms of pricing. Sourcing is still available. You can still find the, the products you want, rather be some of your, your Malbecs, rather medium, middle tier or higher tier products. Um, but yeah, no, everything, the confidence in what's going on in Argentina is not exactly what I would call on a high, high level at this point. Its neighbor in Chile has always been a, a good sourcing option for a lot of people around the world. It's always been a place where especially a lot of domestic wineries here in California have gone for their supply to figure it out. Because of the short crops that happened in Europe this last year, you see a lot of what's going on in the, the UK. They have definitely stepped up and have made their commitments going into this 2022 harvest. And no, no other fact you're going to see. Prices are going to continue to go up, if, especially if their demand is continuing to push them. The pricing is going to go up. Pricing is still, still very good, even though it's moved up in, an, in, a, in a trend uh, for for Chile. But 
it, it, is, it is a place to go. And like I said, if you're going to enter into this market or if you have been in this market before, you need to be in this market, you need to have that conversation more sooner than later with your broker if you're going to jump in. I, probably the one trick pony that's out there, New Zealand, it's Sauvignon Blanc, you know, they're trying to capture uh, the market of Sauvignon Blanc around the world, that grassy flavor profile that they do. Uh, I have a lot of our conversations that we have at the Seattle Company, we find a lot of times the producers over there are wanting to make sure that they do not lose this market. They do not want to lose the share of Sauvignon Blanc that's going around the world. They don't want to lose it to other countries, rather it be South Africa or anybody else at this point in time. And if you look over at the right there, it says the Sauvignon Blanc pricing, it's hard to get quotes. It's hard to get someone to commit to actually trying to sell you something at this point in time. Australia, poor Australia, you know, China, what are you going to say? It, it, it's backing up on them, and the prices are taking a, a downward spiral. The, the one thing to point out that we keep on hearing and we keep on talking about, especially in our offices, a lot of the opportunities are trying to be coupled together, uh, white wines and red wines. They're, they're definitely backing up on that red wine um, you know, inventories at this point in time for bulk. Pricing... Of all the countries we're going to talk about, this is the one country that you have seen a little bit of a downtick in pricing. You've seen a little bit of a, a weakening just to get some of the movement going. It'd be we're going to, a common theme or a sweet spot. I don't know what inventories do for everybody or older inventories, but you can definitely feel the pressure that Australia is under at this point in time uh, with seeing some of that, especially the red inventory, I should say, backing up on them. Uh, South Africa has been the recent darling of buying, especially when it comes to red, white wines. You know, generic white wines, the pricing is right. They have varietal white wines that seem to fit the marketplace, especially uh, domestically here. They, they seem to be uh, this, the, the new darling. And they've got their shipping stuff figured out. They, they have some problems. They were hit really hard with, during COVID, you know, big time lockdown for them. Uh, but ultimately, uh, they have recently been the one go-to place. We've had a lot of inquiries. We've been a lot of samples being shipped around and movement of that bulk wine at this point in time. Um, so we'll see what happens over time. We'll see what happens to those pricing. They're still very, very advantageous prices, especially when you start to talk about varietal wines. And then we get over into Europe, beautiful Europe, where these guys pretty much fall on some hard times, uh, especially when it comes to viticultural problems over this last year. You know, your big three producing countries, Italy, France, and Spain, um, got dinged up. One thing that Italy did figure out, or that they're, they're least focusing on at this point in time, is that their Prosecco is what they do. And that's what they've they've taken. They're trying to take full advantage of that market uh, and expanding out some of the region of, of for Prosecco to be sold and to be able to license it as that. Uh, so they're much like what New Zealand is doing with Sauvignon Blanc. Italy's trying to take advantage of uh, at this point in time. And one thing we will mention is, we, is Italy goes for for everything, and we'll talk more about it in the consumer side of it. Has it been the sustainable part of it or the organic part of it? They've been very good at um, transitioning or feeding the consumer what they want at this point in time. And France, 
What can you say? I mean, we've heard in some instances, especially in the south of France, they've been down as much as 70%. They're probably down at least 50% from all information that we keep on getting at this point in time, and time, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, they, they definitely got hit viticulturally with some big problems. Uh, the one thing you notice is that France, because of that issue, they have gone into Spain. They have gone into other areas to fill up some of their gaps. So the pricing is going to continue to rise in, in France, but they're also driving the prices up in Spain, too, just because they're trying to, the, the shortfalls that they had this last year. In Spain, uh, obviously a large producing country. We just opened up a new office in Spain. Our man David Martin down there for the Ciotti Company. If anybody's looking to get take advantage of some of these pricing that's over there on the right-hand side, a good man to talk to is David Martin. Uh, just joined the Ciotti Company in the last 18 months. Uh, the one thing that we'll say about uh, you know what's happening over in Spain is that, again the pricing is so competitive comparative comparatively to the rest of the world, um, and they're going to continue to be there. It always has been that way since I've been around, and I can remember. So um, they have your 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 varietal wines, they have your generics, and they're big into the concentrate world as well. And then we look at California. Um, you know, where's the sweet spot in California? I don't know. We've always talked about in the past is 4 million tons, the actual number. We're definitely going to come in under 4 million tons this, this year. Uh, how far under that? I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. But we're, we're struggling to find some of the, especially some of the white varietals are out there are, are being challenged. So thus we're going out. Uh, I say we, as the California wine industry goes, we go out and try and find some place, and we have a lot of inquiries going along around the world for varietal whites. And, you know, that uh, value segment of the wine industry, that, that valley grapes and wine and grape juice contract, it's been a song segment, and, and, it, and it leaks over into other areas, the, some of the premium, premium areas in California, but it, it is something that people push, put, push towards, is that, that premium or that uh, value Styles market and of course pricing as it goes uh, is pretty steep comparatively to the rest of the world and then always the one thing we're going to talk a little bit more about when it comes to California is just the rising cost the, the trouble of getting everything done capsules corks bottles whatever boxes the whole nine yards in the short term some of the problems that we are going to continue that we're going to keep on looking at that keeps on Missing the sweet spot gets us off of uh, off of hitting a nice five iron two hundred yards. Uh, is some of these international logistics? It has become a, it has become a strategy, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Rising costs, dry goods packaging is white wine outpacing red wine. What are we going to do about that? These global trade disputes, and then the sales. What's going to happen with the uptick in sales if something goes? Uh, hopefully, after this post pandemic period. Yeah, that's problematic. That's kind of like the rest of the shipping world right now. I think some people would rather see their containers fall into the ocean than have to deal with actually freight forwarders and everything else. Um, as we look at shipping and logistics, and, as, and especially moving forward, this is going to be a problem. Um, the delays and shortages, you know, as a broker, we almost ask you more questions now about what you're going to do about shipping than we ever have, than I ever have in my career at Ciotti. 
the logistics has become more of a strategic part. You got people that actually have it set up and now they need to take advantage of it. That's big, that's kind of become a big thing. And then buyers have to be realistic. We've had a lot of buyers come back and be like, well, I thought it was going to be here already. Well, let's be realistic about when it's actually going to show up and, and tell yourself you got some time. Believe me, you got a lot of time. Back in June, we did one of these little deals, uh, uh, a webinar with Hillebrand, and it was it was very um, informative, you know. And I, I don't understand all the next couple of slides, but the the trends and the pictures tell a lot uh, about what's going on. This is what is happening with the fleet, the container fleets, and this is the ships that are, are happening out there. And you can see, obviously, it's trending downward. You know, I think Hildebrand. Uh, has a talks about in 2021 as we start to see some maybe some fleets come off. But as you're going to see in the next slide, a very busy slide about delivery of container ships that are happening. And as you look at what I find on this busy slide and just my interpretation of what's going on here, and in 2021, you had half of what they promised to deliver in 2021. And in 2022, there is no such thing. There's a little tiny blue line you can't even see at the very bottom there uh, that's happening. I don't know if I can. It's right there. Little tiny line right there about what's going to be delivered. So it's going to continue to be a problem. We, I saw something, uh, read something about when Kunanagel, another freight forwarder, was talking about where we might not get up to the pre-pandemic level of fleet until 2728. So, you know, it's going to continue to be a problem. It's going to continue to be something that we have to address if we're going to be shipping wine around the world. I mean, without a doubt, we all know the price are going to go up. But I want to just look at that blue section on the right side. That is every single arrow is going upward. I mean, that is that just goes to tell you there is no downward movement at this point in time. And in the short term forecast. I don't even know what the long-term forecast is. I bet you the long-term forecast is probably 90% all green arrows pointing upward, too. Now, where's the opportunities? Where are we going to look towards? Where are we going? Where do we need to get to? This is going faster. Um, and who are the people we're, we're trying to service? You know, we, we always have to focus on the next portion of what we're going to do and who we're, and who we're servicing. And, and and when we get to some of the population, this is domestically about what's going on with the age groups and the generational things. You know, it, where you get your information from and how you take it in, I'm going to tell you how I interpret the information that I read and, and, and about, especially about consumption and, and population and consumers or millennials, Gen Xers and everything at this point in time. So this is what I... What I take from reading this, and as you go down, you can look at the age groups. You know, your Gen Z is a very small percentage of, of what is happening out there, or a very small percentage of consuming age at this point in time. But 2.1%, and they went up in 2020 to 3%. And then the millennials are at 18, they went up to 20% in 2020. And Gen Xers, 33%, they went up to 35%, and so on and so forth. Being a long life, Californian and in the wine industry with my family and now with the Ciotti company, I take away from this and I look at this and I think as you get older, you start to drink more wine. You enjoy the product. You know what it's about. You know it's a story. You know it's shared. You know it's something that means something when you pop open a bottle at Christmas or a birthday or whatever the case may be. That's what I'm going to take away from this slide. I'm not going to say that we're going somewhere else, but I'm going to take away that we're, we're heading in the right direction. As we get more consumers at, at a later age, maybe 
we find more ourselves selling more wine, I hope. But this is what you're fighting up against. This is what, this is what you have to deal with. This is the, these are the, the drinks that now exist in your refrigerator or on your shelf or anywhere. And they are coming after every single share that we have in the wine industry. And even more troubling, when you go look at something, you want to go buy some wine, look at what the shelf looks like. I can see my poor wife walking in there, looking at that shelf of booze and going, ah, and then walking away. That's why I think this is an interesting slide. As we got into this pandemic, you see a little bit of that blip in about April of 2020, and you see that belly of, of orange down there, that e-commerce trade. It was easy, right? People started to look towards how they could get their product, their wine product, shipped to them or get given to them. I think that's a new trend. I think that is a new sweet spot. We have to go and meet our consumer at those point in times. And then you see the wine club sales. Again, those are, those are your, you know, your Wall Street journals and your wine.coms and everybody that's actually making it easy for you to get your product while you sit at home. I know a lot of people in my generation and younger and stuff that, that don't want to talk to people. I enjoy people, but not everybody does. Some people want to talk on their phone. Some people want to chat with each other. And this is how they're going to get their product. We have to go meet them. They can't, they're not going to come find us. They're not going to go to the Disneyland of Napa and go buy their wines anymore. They want to, they want to ease. They want to make it simple for them to get it. I, I put this slide up here, obviously, for the global pandemic, massive changes as the market swells to $3.7 billion, right? But I, look at the bottom left. This is what stuck out to me when I was looking at this little slide right here. And, and, and not everything stood out, but that part did. Almost 42% of the wines under $30 were shipments. I think that if I went back and I tried to do a little research on this and I couldn't find it in time to bring it today, but I have a feeling that prior to the pandemic, I would imagine that most wines under $30 were not shipped to you. I would find that probably probably be closer to a 10% margin, maybe, maybe even a single digit number. I just thought that would be very interesting. And then because I think a lot of times when you buy these, when the wines were shipped to you and you were part of those wine clubs, you were buying trophy wines. You were buying something that was going to be something special that you were going to hold on to and keep in your cellar for some time. I thought that was very interesting. This also stuck out to me. This is from Silicon Valley Bank, which they, I think this comes from their, uh, uh, they do a, uh, what's that, uh, an open um, sourcing or a questionnaire they give out to everybody. Uh, this is what I think. I, just look at January 2021. That was very interesting. One, one reason why it sticks out to me is that it was kind of tail end of the pandemic, and wine and spirits were right there. This is when people started to go back out. We're starting to go back out in the restaurants and we're drinking. And look how close. And then, obviously, as we've gotten to August of 2021 in this slide, uh, we, we found out, oh, but we're not that far away from how close we were to just being there. Uh, above board, shall we say, uh, are on uh, par with some of the spirits and stuff like that and getting ready to get back out. I, I hope that over this, this holiday season that's coming up right here, we get back to that. I hope we get back above in the plus numbers. Some of the trends, some of the key takeaways, uh, obviously, as we move forward, I mean, shipping and logistics, let's be honest, it's going to continue. It's going to become a conversation. It's going to be something that, as a broker, I'm going to keep on asking you and making sure that you understand what you're, you're getting yourself into when you're talking about shipping wines overseas. 
the sustainability, your organics, um, what does your consumer want to buy? This is something that's going to continue to happen. We talked a little bit about it with Italy and, and France and Chile, you know, it, it, California, but it's a consumer thing. We have to drive some of those messages home. What do the consumers want? Understanding that and adapting your marketing, it's, I mean, oh, I'm going to continue to say it. I think the one takeaway that I would say that happens, especially when you think, I recently got invited to go to a beer cocktail party. Now, beer people, as we trying to find out different ways to introduce their product to the market, rather they're mixing it with alcohols or they're mixing it with fruit drinks or whatever the case may be, they're looking to make sure that they capture a market or that they can introduce them and bring people into that market. We need to do more of the same in the wine industry. We need to work together, a united front, and understand that we are in this together. We, yes, we compete against each other, but we are in this together. And we shouldn't make it that hard to go after uh, a united front to make this thing, but education and data, not make it hard for people to understand what we're talking about when it comes to the wine industry and what we're trying to do. Uh, we, we want more drinkers. We want to introduce. We, hey, we need everybody from the bottom to introduce you to get up so you can buy those, end up to, those high-end top wines and everything in between. Oh, it jumped ahead of me. Thank you. Uh, as a CIA company goes, you know, we do a monthly uh, international report and a domestic California report. Please go to the website and check it out. And if you have any trouble finding it, please come find me. I'll make sure that you get it. Um, so, again, thank you for your time. It's great to look around there and see a bunch of faces. It's, uh, it's tremendous. It's tremendous. Thank you very much, Sid. Thank you, IBWS team. Thank you.